Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Welcome to part two of our series called The King. We're looking at the rise and fall of King Solomon. Uh, the Bible is uh, very honest about its heroes. Uh, if you read through a lot of ancient historical literature, you know, the biography, the annals of the king, that kind of thing, uh, you'll, you'll see that uh, usually they would only include the uh, great deeds, the daring exploits, the victories of the king. Uh, you know, they'd leave out the defeats, they'd leave out the faults, the failures, the the foolishness of the king. But uh, the Bible's more honest about its heroes than that. And it, uh, even in regards to a central character like King Solomon, uh, it gives us both the rise and the fall of Solomon. Now, Solomon had a pretty meteoric rise. Our, our theme verse for this series is 1 Kings 10, 23 and 24. It's on your notes on the screens. It says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world saw audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. And it's obvious that there's a lot that we can learn from Solomon if all the kings and, and uh, the whole world of his day is seeking an audience with him. Uh, as a 20-something king, uh, Solomon quickly secured his throne, consolidated his power, which was really pretty amazing because as Pastor Ryland shared with us last week, Solomon was an untested king. Uh, you know, even his father David referred to him as inexperienced and soft. Uh, David said, this is my son, he has no clue what he's doing. And uh, he's untested, he's inexperienced, he's soft, but he said to the nation of Israel, he says, I'd like you to give him a shot at being king. He even said to God, I, I, I know the guy's green, but God, uh, please give him a shot at this. And recognizing that he truly is untested and inexperienced and soft, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. A thousand burnt offerings. Do you get the idea here that, that Solomon's just a little bit desperate for God's help? It says, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon made a, a, a very interesting request, a request that most of us, if given the opportunity to ask God for anything, probably we would not make this request. Uh, Solomon answered God. He says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. I mean, what would you ask for if God said you could ask for anything? Um, you know, Myself, I'm pretty sure, left to myself, I would not ask for wisdom. I mean, if I didn't know the story of Solomon's life, if I didn't have Solomon's example, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would ask for something else other than wisdom because I'm just not that wise, okay? But Solomon, Solomon admitted that he was untested. He was green. He was naive. He's not ready to be king, and so he asked God for wisdom, and God answered his prayer. God granted him extraordinary wisdom that became the catalyst, became the foundation for Solomon to build an extraordinary kingdom. 
And in fact, Solomon got to live an extraordinary life. Uh, because God said, since you, you didn't ask for all the things that most people would ask for, money, power, pleasure, all that kind of stuff, God said, I'm going to give you all that stuff and give you the wisdom that you asked for. And that's what led Solomon in Proverbs 4-7. He says this, he says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Of all the pursuits in life, of all the things that people chase after, wisdom should be the number one thing that we go after. Wisdom is supreme. Now, the definition of wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. You know, we live in the information age. Uh, lots of information at our disposal. But our age is not characterized by a lot of wisdom. You know, and simply because we have a lot of information... We really need wisdom. Now Solomon was promptly tested on his wisdom. One of his jobs as king was to settle the disputes that nobody else in the kingdom could settle. I mean, it was part of his job to serve as a judge over his people. And so if there were disputes that nobody else could settle, they'd work their way up to the courts and finally come, uh, come to Solomon. And one of the first cases that was presented to Solomon was a dispute between two ladies who were fighting over a baby. Uh, they're two prostitutes. Uh, they lived together. Both of them had infants. But one of them rolled over on her baby in the night and suffocated the child. And when she woke up the next day, she claimed that the dead baby wasn't her baby, it was the other mother, and the live baby was really her baby. And of course, the mother of the live baby claimed, no, that's, the dead baby's your baby, I've got the live baby. And nobody could settle the dispute. Because, let's face it, to, to a stranger, all babies look alike. Okay? So, you know, you've got this lady and this lady and this baby and whoever's trying to make the determination looks at the lady and looks at the baby and looks at the other lady and looks at the baby and <laughs> I don't know which one is which. And so they weren't able to make an accurate determination of, of the case. And so the dispute worked its way up until finally it comes to Solomon, who, who's the final court of appeal. And so these two women... Uh, come into Solomon's court, they're in front of him, each claiming to be the mother of the living baby and each accusing the woman of being the mother of uh, the dead baby. And Solomon has to decide which one is the true mother. And since, you know, there's no DNA, there, there's no clear way to, to determine who the mother was just by, by looking at, at their appearance. So Solomon said, bring me a sword, now, most of you know the punchline to this story, but the people in that room in that moment did not know where he was headed. And so they're going, a sword? Why does he want a sword? doesn't matter why he wants the sword. He's the king. Bring him a sword. <laughs> so Solomon has a sword. And he says to the first woman, Woman, is this your baby? She says, yes, it is. He looks at the second woman. Woman, is this your baby? She says, yes, it is. What's he going to do? He says, I've got a solution. I'm going to cut the baby in half. Now, you know the punchline of the story, but the women don't. 
And so when he says that, remarkably, one of the women says, yes, cut the baby in half. One of the babies is dead. It's not fair that the other baby be alive. Cut the baby in half. That's the fair thing to do. The other woman goes, no, no, are you crazy? No, G give the baby to her. Give the Whatever you do, spare the life of the child. And Solomon says, there it is. There's the truth. See, wisdom has the ability to cut through the clutter, to cut through the complex, and come to the truth, come to an answer that makes sense. You know, at, at, at first blush, you know, people had to think, what is this guy doing? What's he want a sword? What a horrible thing to say. And yet it revealed the truth in a remarkable way. You know, everybody was relieved when Solomon put down the sword. You're probably relieved that I put down the sword. <laughs> and, uh, and they're amazed at, at his wisdom, because that's what wisdom does. It takes the complex, makes it simple, makes it clear. And we all have moments in life where we have to ask God for wisdom. Moments where we need God to help us cut through the clutter of the complex, come up with a simple course of action that makes sense. I don't know who to marry. God says, I'll give you wisdom to make the right choice. I don't know what job to take. God says, I'll give you wisdom so your career path uh, is on a good track. I don't know how to raise my children. God says, I'll give you the wisdom to parent your kids. I don't know whether I should get a dog or a cat. And God says, obviously, a dog. <laughs> now, I took a risk there, and I realized at this moment, I've lost all the cat people, and so I'm begging for mercy. I, went, I don't have a dog or a cat. All I got are possums. And, uh, and you know, a possum's just a cat with a bald tail. So, you know. But I don't need a dog, I don't need a cat, I don't need a possum. Solomon says, I need wisdom. He says, get wisdom, though it cost all you have. The, the terminology there of getting wisdom, it, it, it's actually like a financial term. It's something that you need to exchange value to get. It is valuable, it will cost you something, but whatever it will cost you, wisdom is worth it because it's foundational to every aspect of your life. You want a great marriage? Get wisdom. You want great kids? Get wisdom. You want a great career? Get wisdom. You want great friendships, great finances, great whatever? Get wisdom. Everything you want in life is built on the foundation of wisdom. Solomon goes on, Proverbs 4, he says, cherish her wisdom, cherish wisdom, and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. You want to live a life of significance? You want to live a life of worth, a life of honor? Get wisdom. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. You want to live a long, prosperous, full life? Get wisdom. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You know, people often make bad, foolish decisions that are real setbacks in life. But Solomon says, you know, if you pursue wisdom, yeah, you may make some mistakes, you may, you may have some setbacks, but they're not going to be as, as bad as if you're living a foolish life. In fact, don't be afraid to step out and move in life because if you've got wisdom, you don't, you don't have to be afraid of anything. He says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it, and go on your way. 
You know, Solomon says one of the keys to success in life is making good relationships. You stay away from the wicked, stay away from the evil. You know, a hallmark of Solomon's life was his ability to make good treaties, to make good contracts, to, to make good agreements with good people who were able to help him uh, advance his agenda and accomplish uh, his goals. We're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at, at Solomon as the relational king because wisdom helps you to make healthy productive relationships, relationships that are beneficial to both parties. Wisdom helps you avoid foolish, uh, even evil people who are going to drag you down and destroy your life. Now, the pursuit of wisdom does not mean that you won't have problems. Trials, tribulations, trouble comes into every life. Wisdom doesn't prevent those things from coming into your life. The Bible clearly says that we're going to have trouble in our lives. As surely as the sparks fly upward, so trouble's going to come into every life. But the wise person knows how to deal with trouble so it doesn't destroy their life. The, the wise person isn't overcome or defeated by trouble. Seek wisdom. Your marriage gets better. Your children become more obedient. Your job becomes more fulfilling. Your finances become stronger. Your friendships become healthier. If you get wisdom, that means that someday your lows will be higher than your highs used to be. Okay? Over time, through the principle of wisdom, God is just raising and elevating the quality of your life. And you may say, Okay, pastor, you've convinced me I want wisdom. How do I get it? Well, Solomon, in the Old Testament, King Solomon wrote three books. He wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And these three books are referred to as wisdom literature. They're basically Solomon writing down all the wisdom that the Lord gave him. They're a tremendous source of wisdom. And I highly recommend that you read them. In fact, I'd encourage you to read them on a regular basis. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. If you read a chapter a day out of Proverbs, you can read through the whole book in a 31-day month. And I, I'd encourage you just to read a chapter of Proverbs just every day, like you're taking a multiple vitamin, and just begin to build that, that wisdom into your heart and life. It's a great way to do that. Now, there's also some wisdom literature in the New Testament. The book of James is considered wisdom literature. And I want us to dig into a verse in, in James today. It's chapter 1, verse 5 in James, because it tells us uh, how God gives us wisdom. Let's read this verse out loud together. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Now this verse gives us three keys that will help you to get God's wisdom. On your notes, on the screen, look at this. Number one, I need to recognize that we need wisdom. The first step to getting wisdom is to realize you don't have it, and to realize you need it. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and I love James's pastor's heart here, because he says, if... If any of you lacks wisdom, I mean, he just softens it by giving us the benefit of the doubt. He says, maybe you got wisdom, maybe you don't. And if you don't, then, then here's what you do. 
And I just love how tender James is there. And, uh, and you know I love you, and, but you know, I was up here waving around a sword a minute ago, so maybe I'm going to be a little edgier than James is. And I'm just going to tell you, you need wisdom. You lack wisdom. We all do. None of us have all the answers that we need to solve the problems in life. So Solomon tells us in Proverbs 3, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. See, that's a risk that we run, is being wise in our own eyes. You know, we, we often think it's the folly of youth, because when we're young, we think we got it all figured out. We're wise in our own eyes. But I'm old enough to know that there are a lot of us older ones out there that we're wise in our own eyes as well. And so we need to admit that, that we lack uh, wisdom, and we need to ask God for it. Now Solomon, in his youth, he had the wisdom to say, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. You know, Solomon had the wisdom, he had the humility, he had the transparency to say, I don't know what I'm doing. And he recognized that he needed wisdom. And you and I, we, we need to recognize that too. You know, there's a difference between humility and humiliation. Humility is voluntarily recognizing my limitations. I humbly, voluntarily recognize my lack of knowledge, my lack of wisdom. Humiliation is when I am involuntarily shamed or embarrassed or, or reduced publicly because of my lack of knowledge and my foolishness. You know, the person who thinks they know it all sets themselves up for humiliation. But the person who admits they don't know it all is humble enough to do that. They're actually elevated and honored uh, for their humility. So I've got to recognize that, that I need wisdom. Number two, I must recognize where we get wisdom. I don't have it. Where do I get it? James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Now, too many Christians in our day recognize they need wisdom, and then they ask Google, okay? I mean, you know, Google, what should I do with my life? You know, if you type in the question, Google, what should I do with my life? Google has an answer for you. I mean, I typed that in this week. It took me to an article written by a bartender who was telling me uh, how I could uh, make my life better, okay? So there's lots of information out there. The problem is, is not all the information is true, and some of it's downright foolish. It, it, so, it, you know, we need wisdom, we need discernment to process that information. And the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, we should ask God. That's exactly what Solomon did. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. And Solomon, he, he recognized, God is the source of wisdom. In Proverbs 9, he says it like this. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And when he says the fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean you're terrified of God. It, he says you have awe, you have respect, you have reverence for God. You start there. I don't have wisdom. God has it. And we recognize that's where it comes from. You know, you, you can't get wisdom in your life until you dethrone yourself. You, know, you, you have to recognize, God is God, I'm not. And once we do that, then it becomes possible to pursue God for wisdom. 
I need wisdom. God is where I get it. And number three, I need to recognize how God gives us wisdom. And that's what James lays out for us here. Uh, Just break the the rest of this verse down. There's four ways that God uh, gives us wisdom. First, James says that God gives. He gives wisdom. And the, the word there means to give continuously. God knows that we need wisdom more than once. God knows we're going to need wisdom over and over and over again. It's not like God gives us a box of wisdom and when that's gone, we're out. It's not like God dumps the whole load on us and we've got all the wisdom that we're ever going to need through life. No, it's God gives continuously. He gives a steady supply of wisdom as we need it. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I do not like that verse, okay? Because Jesus is telling us every day is going to come with a dose of trouble. And every day God promises to give us a corresponding dose of wisdom, okay? Every day, in every way, we need wisdom. Every day, in his way, God's going to give it to us. And his wisdom is never late, and frankly, it's never early. It shows up right on time. As we trust God, moment by moment, God's wisdom arrives right when we need it. You, You need to understand that wisdom is not so much a matter of the mind. Wisdom is a matter of the heart. It's trusting God moment by moment. He says he gives wisdom. He gives generously. And the idea there is is that that it's it's spread abroad. It's spread out. It's made wide. No matter how many people are asking God for wisdom, God doesn't run out. No matter how many times you ask God for wisdom, it's never in short supply. Now, every day, you, you, face, you face so many decisions. In fact, in our day, there's a thing called decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is what you experience when you have to make too many decisions. And every, every decision you make takes something out of you. And, and you get worn out. You get fatigued by decisions. And, and you can experience this at work. Studies have shown that doctors write more prescriptions later in the day. They just get worn out by making diagnostic decisions and they just start throwing pills at it. Studies show that judges make harsher decisions later in the day. They are more merciful, they're more patient in the morning, later in the day, guilty, get him out of here. Because of decision fatigue. Parents, you can experience decision fatigue with your kids. You ever take a kid shoe shopping? And there's just all these shoes, and you just finally get to the point where I don't care if they fit, we're buying them, we'll cut the toes off when we get home. Because there's decision fatigue. God never gets decision fatigue. God never says, no more questions, please. It's like golden corral. They just keep rolling food out of the kitchen. And God's the same way. God has a never-ending supply of wisdom. 
I love this one. It says that God gives to all. This one is so cool. Because all does not mean that it's just given to everybody. It means it's given to everybody individually. God doesn't give everybody the same dose of wisdom. When God gives wisdom, it's not one size fits all. No, God gives you the wisdom that you need for your specific individual situation. It's not just cookie cutter cliches for the masses. No, it's specific insight for your situation. God gives you the wisdom that you need to navigate the exact issue that you are facing. And he gives it without fault. Without fault. God's never upset that you had to ask for wisdom. Even when you ask again and again and again, God gives it happily. He's glad to do it. It's free from condemnation. It's free from guilt and shame. You don't have to worry that you don't know the answer. God's happy to answer the question every time you ask. That's how God gives us wisdom. And this is what makes the fall of Solomon all the more tragic. Because Solomon starts out as a 20-something naive, green, soft, inexperienced king and asks for wisdom. But later in his years, well, look. It says, on a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place. That's a place of worship, a temple, for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And these gods are called detestable because when you worship those gods, it involved human sacrifice. It involved child sacrifice. What a detestable, despicable thing. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon. Why? Because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Solomon didn't become foolish because of what was in his mind. He became foolish because of what was in his heart. He let his heart turn away from the Lord God of Israel. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. What led the wisest man in all of history to make such a tragically stupid, dumb, foolish mistake? You know, as a young king, he built the temple where you could worship the Lord God, and then as a wise old man, he starts building temples to these pagan, detestable, despicable false gods. How did that happen? Because he stopped asking God for wisdom. He'd accomplished so much, he became wise in his own eyes. You know, he, he made the mistake of thinking that wisdom is something that God gives you rather than recognizing, you know, God doesn't just give us stuff. God gives us himself. That's where wisdom is. Wisdom is in the relationship that we have with God. This isn't about improving the quality of your decisions. Living wisely is about improving the quality of your relationship with God, about improving the quality of your relationship with Jesus Christ, improving the quality of your walk with the Spirit. Because the closer you get to God, the closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to the Spirit, the more you open your life up to them, the wiser 
you get. The more you close off your heart from God, the more you begin to look within yourself, the more you become wise in your own eyes, the more foolish we become. In Colossians 2.3, the Apostle Paul says, in whom, whom, in whom is Christ? In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. If you're facing a difficult decision in your life, if you've got a complex decision, if you've got you know, a, a raging conflict in, in your life, draw close to God. If you want to get wisdom, get close to Jesus Christ. Choose to walk in the Spirit because that's where the treasure of wisdom and knowledge is found. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the hope that we have that you'll speak into our life and give us the wisdom of God. Give us the mind of Christ. Give us the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're here today and you've never, never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's where it starts. It starts by, by crying out to Christ and saying, Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me that new, abundant, eternal life that you offer to those who trust in you. And God, give me your wisdom. Give me your presence. Give me the mind of Christ. If you cry out to him, he will answer your prayer. God, we thank you for that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.